next logical step for us is the only way that we can solve the problems of healthcare system whether it is in india or global okay the india problem may be i need to expand access to a much larger population at a much lower cost and being able to deliver it in places where patients exist the solution to all of these to a certain extent is being able to ensure that we have innovative hardware which is hardy which is capable which is married with software which has the ai algorithms which ensures that the mundane tasks get done um, the quality is high and, and at the same time the throughput can be expanded and i see that there is no other place which is more perfect than india and than the vikroji facility that we have here uh, which is able to do both of these hi wherever you're listening to this i hope you're doing well Welcome to Tech Conversations where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs and investors. I'm Hari Arakli and in this episode Chaitanya Saravarthi, President and CEO for India and South Asia at GE Healthcare Technologies, talks about why he thinks India can leapfrog in healthcare delivery. Chaitanya, who's also the managing director of the Wipro GE Healthcare joint venture based in Bengaluru. talks about the opportunities in india a year after ge healthcare became an independent company listed on the nasdaq with the idea of becoming a more integrated medical technologies company and not just a provider of imaging equipment for medical diagnostics uh, so chaitanya good morning and thank you so much for making time for this uh, conversation at the beginning of your day in the middle of your work day so really appreciate your time and um just to get us going uh can you please tell us a bit about yourself uh, how did you come to be in g healthcare and we'll go from there okay wonderful first of all appreciate you making time and willing to uh, spend time in the first week of january uh we are still just getting back from holidays as you can imagine um so first maybe let me uh, go a little bit backwards about uh wipro g healthcare and then myself as well So Wiproji Healthcare is the joint venture entity that uh, is operating here in India. Uh, it is both the global G healthcare medtech uh, giant, and uh, obviously everybody in India is familiar with the Wipro story of the build out that has happened. We are the largest medtech company here in India, and uh, essentially we function as you would have seen in this fantastic campus. We function with three verticals. So we obviously distribute and service medical technology here in india we design and develop new products and technologies here uh, in the tech center and have been for so many years and then of course we have manufacturing plants here as well so that's viproji and i'm uh, quite happy to lead the viproji organization i'm not a, a new person to g healthcare i've been with uh, g healthcare for almost uh, 14 years now Uh, across various different geographies and various different roles um, and prior to that you know for a, uh, quite a bit of duration i used to live in united states working for different sections of healthcare industry whether it was health insurance whether it is pharma companies etc so uh, i think the uh, journey has been interesting uh, but being part of a local healthcare uh, devices medical technology company uh was something that attracted me to g healthcare wanted to work in india because i believe that in india we will have uh, the best opportunities going forward given the large population the substantial amount of need the kind of talent that we have available here kind of technology development that can happen here and so that's how i came here and last 14 years have been a fun ride okay very nice um i was going to ask you to give us a sense of the size and scope of the business that you are responsible for that you oversee Uh, I mean, for a more sort of general audience, can you give us a brief overview of that? Mm, sure. So I think, um, as I mentioned, three different components, right? Uh, so we have a pretty significant presence for almost thirty, thirty-two years here in India as a distribution and service entity, uh, where we sell medical devices, you know, as complex as MRI or PET CTs or cyclotrons, <clears throat> all the way to. um you know regular use devices like baby warmers etc so wide range of product portfolio we've been selling for almost uh, 32 33 years and we have the largest install base across uh, across india 
largest in terms of uh, the number of hospitals, the number of patients that use it, etc. So, uh, so that's on the distribution side. I think the uh, engineering side <coughs> globally, uh, GE Healthcare, and this is well known, spends uh, about a billion dollars in 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 uh, engineering development, new product development, research, etc. Um, and I would say that uh, we are a very substantial portion uh, in terms of contribution of the research and development uh, that happens across India here, which happens in India. And then from a manufacturing standpoint, uh, obviously, uh, we are one of the uh, largest medical device uh, manufacturing exporters based in India. And we have been in India uh, both as Wipro GE as well as, as GE Bell for almost 30 years. And I think uh, uh, based upon the statistics that I have seen, again, we don't track it. Uh, but I think based upon what uh, our Department of uh, Commerce, etc. have indicated, we contribute almost to 10 to 12% of the aggregate exports that happen uh, in India uh, in the medical device uh, field. And so we are a pretty substantial exporter as well uh, that we have. Mm. Okay. So uh, again, from a, a question from a general audience's perspective, because they may not necessarily know the significance. And I'm also looking to learn a bit more of the significance of GE Healthcare becoming a standalone company. Mm. And um, it's uh, a year. In fact, I think this month last year, you... Yesterday was... Actually, today is exactly one year. Okay. So, <laughs> very nice. Uh, can you uh, basically kind of walk us through the significance of that? And then if there are sort of any uh, India uh, implications as well, uh, can talk For to sure. us about that. Yeah, For sure. I think... Um, GE, as a for historically for long periods of time, was a conglomerate with lots of different verticals. We had an energy business, aerospace business, healthcare business, plastics, many businesses. And over a period of time, I think the accepted practice amongst the investor community, amongst the stakeholders, um, was that it is better when you are a standalone, focused uh, company, which is able to essentially marshal all the resources and direct them towards the toughest problem uh, in healthcare and make sure that we are able to solve. Because healthcare is a large industry and it is a, uh, provides a substantial opportunity globally. Um, and not having to deal with the vagaries that impact different industries at different time and being able to remain focused on a single industry and being able to remain focused on making sure that we are meeting the needs of patients, of our provider customers, of, uh, of, of the world essentially, um, uh, unencumbered by what is happening in other industries. I think that is a, that's an advantage of becoming a, a standalone entity. And so I think this is a pretty significant uh, uh, event because... It is the largest medical device spin-off uh, in history. So essentially, we became an independent company, which is like a child being born, but a child being born which is already 30 years old and which has a pretty large, well-developed uh, product base, customer base, and etc. So I think that is how we see it. And uh, substantially positive uh, for both for us, employees, but for our customers as well as for, for patients in general. Now, the specific implication um, for both patients in general, customers in general, but also for India is as follows, right? So when you look at it from a patient's or from a customer standpoint, what they want is they want companies like us to continually invest in new technology, to bring new products out, to bring uh, be at the cutting edge of, uh, of, of new product development. And I think we now have had the adequate wherewithal to be able to do it on a consistent basis. And we are already seeing results, new products that are coming out because of that spin-off, right? Whether it is a small pocket-sized handheld device, right, which can go into the field uh, along with a provider, right, uh, to be able to ensure that we are able to detect abnormalities uh, at the patient's home, right? It is essentially a Trans, uh, transformation of a stethoscope into a stethoscope plus a listening device, uh, sorry, plus a visual device, right? Uh, and so that is something that is a good example. Another example is AI has been a pretty significant amount of um, investment, and that is something that we have done. Now, what that has translated into is fantastic applications, software applications coming out. Uh, ARDL is a great example, which ensures that the MRs, scans, which typically take 20, 30, 40 minutes on a per scan basis, can happen in half the time, right? 
So a population which requires access now suddenly is able to get access with uh, the MR because more people can go through the MR if, if need be. So that those are examples. So those are examples of technologies which are coming out um, because of our focused attention and our ability to uh, put money behind and effort behind uh, behind those uh, those 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 uh, specific items. Now I think from India standpoint there is a perspective as well, um, which is when you look at India as a healthcare business and as an economy, um, G Healthcare is able to allocate resources, investments, time uh, to India and India-like markets, which have large populations, large unmet needs. Um, and so as a result, we have uh, seen a little bit of supercharging, if you may, of both investments on new product development as well as investments in distribution, which allows us to be able to reach the far-flung areas, to reach the customers uh, in the far-flung areas, to make sure that our products are suitable for the needs in India, that we are able to do some partnerships which allow us to be able to uh, help those customers. Uh, and there are various examples. Alive Core is an example which allows you to be able to remotely detect ECG as an example. So, so there are various examples that have come out. So all in all three aspects, and that is, I think, the significance from an India standpoint. So more investments, more distribution, more products, uh, and more willingness to go into uh, meeting the needs of uh, Indian market, uh, if you may. So I think that's that's the way I see it. So pretty significant uh, day. We call it uh, our day of separation or day of independence. Uh, but I would say that it is much more uh, a day when uh, essentially um, healthcare market in India as well as globally got a new large size baby, uh, if you may. Okay, very nice. So from from within G Healthcare, uh, you've given us a quick sort of a quick but also a fairly comprehensive view of, or at least a peek into what you all have uh, have been thinking about this. Uh, so India as a market, can you give us a sense of over the last say five years how it's changed for you? I think um, India is uh, a dynamic market. Every day you wake up, uh, there is so much to do and there is so much opportunity which is there. I think over the last five years, uh, healthcare market has substantively changed uh, in India. And I think um, I would say COVID is a great um, uh, disruptor for the market as a whole. And I will give you maybe one anecdotal example and that should, that should, that should probably elaborate the point. Um, so, you know, at home, we have uh, somebody who helps us at home, uh, house help, right? And um, uh, recently, uh, she had uh, a circumstance where in her family, one of her uh, uh, brother um, had was showing symptoms which are close to stroke-like symptoms, right? And so, as would be the norm, um, I anticipated that you need to go to the hospital and whatever help is required, etc. Because she had called my wife to ask, right? And... Uh, in past, either because of financial wherewithal or because of various other factors, uh, uh, she would have delayed seeking care. And if she would have sought care, then it would have been typically her preference would have been um, based upon a little bit upon economic considerations. And so maybe a, a hospital which provides free service or a hospital which is able to provide reduced expenditure-based uh, service. So based service. But this time, what I noticed was, A, she wanted to seek care immediately, go to the hospital immediately. And second, um, she was willing to go to a hospital, which is a private hospital, which did not necessarily provide a subsidized care. Okay. Um, and so that is a natural change that I have seen, which is seeking care behavior has changed. People want care closer to their homes. And because of maybe a little bit of insurance penetration or maybe because of other factors, they are willing to not seek care exclusively based upon cost, but also based upon cost and quality. And I think I think that's the trade-off. And when you see that behavior change uh, amongst people, the only rational basis is that COVID is the reason why that has, that has actually happened. Now, eventually she went to a local private hospital, got the care necessary, etc. And decent outcomes uh, were received. Now, what that has meant is 
we have seen government expenditure in healthcare increasing because if people want it people want higher quality people want uh, more care and we are seeing substantial increase in the government spend in healthcare more hospitals being built more hospitals that are being uh, upgraded etc on the government on the public side secondly we are also seeing pretty substantial increase in private hospitals wanting to expand or wanting to build more facilities and private equity or other risk capital coming into the play uh i think if i remember correctly we used to be about 1 and a half to 1.6% of gdp spend on healthcare in india and that has grown to about 2.1 2.2% this is aggregate both public and private combined together right so clearly it's a dynamic market where the expenditure is growing and the health seeking behavior is changing amongst the patient or general population and i think the insurance penetration and the covid is probably the contributory causes and so i think that's how we see it in terms of the market for india mm. so what are the implications of these changes uh, for you as a provider you know one of the world's largest providers of imaging and diagnostics medical technologies and i know that there's a combination of hardware software and and your edison platform maybe down the line you can talk about that so true so i think <clears throat> first whenever a market deepens right um it creates opportunities for players like us uh because there is a aggregate demand expansion that is happening which is more people want care more hospitals get are going to get built etc but at the same time india is a very large population 1.4 billion so traditional models of just providing by building more and more hospitals more and more facilities is not the fastest way to be able to deliver care to such a large population um and so we have two imperatives that are coming based on that one is obviously good market we want to invest in products which can work for this kind of market we want to distribute them and we want to make sure that they reach but the second one is we have to innovate in the way we go to the market in the way that we provide the technology the nature of the technology that we provide more digital right uh, more uh, working uh, through remote means right uh, more working uh, in the outlying areas and not necessarily only metros so i think those are the three big implications and i think we have very good examples whether it is a tele icu right because uh patients are require icu care even outside of the major cities but how are they going to get access to that they want it they cannot go to the main city so local hospitals that are able to provide them the icu care uh but expertise being provided by hospitals who are located in the in the in the main city so we have some tele icu partnerships that we have with medanta for example to be able to do that right um other examples like um uh, products which are um uh, uh, sort of essentially easier to uh, manage maintain and which can do high throughputs i think we have recently launched a, a, a ct called aspire ct which has 3d printed components inside so what happens is you reduce the number of components which are there uh, you are able to uh, uh, print complex components 3d printing and this is all done in bangalore right um which reduces the maintenance requirement of the city so they can be placed in small towns uh where you know one of the concerns that customers have is okay i can do i want to do high number of ct scans but how will i take care of the maintenance of the equipment uh, how will i ensure that and so the 3d so moving parts gets reduced and so that is one example and the third one is i think i would say digital software solutions which are ai based which allow essentially some of the more mundane tasks to be uh, done a little bit by the software system so that the clinicians can focus more of their attention on the less mundane tasks uh, there are some partnerships that we have as well so i think there is a uh, uh, one of the problems that is there is you have lots of patients who go through ct scans and you want to distinguish the ones who are uh, high uh, require quick attention for stroke etc and so the scans get prioritized a little bit based upon the condition it quickly identifies the one where within 60 seconds 60 minutes you require intervention and so those are some of the uh, ai software algorithms that uh, that have gotten developed so that we are able to meet this growing need this need in the outskirts and the ability to be able to uh, provide uh, expert help uh, closer to your home so i think that's how i would say the implications have been for 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 all of us mm. i mean from a, a growth in the future point of view can you give us a sense of uh, how you all view india and i'm thinking that i mean you know by way of homework i try to look at uh, um, some industry uh, you know reports and things like that 
So there's this sense that much of the growth is likely to come from the so-called global south and markets like India, you know, Indonesia, Nigeria, and Africa, and so on. So also in that backdrop, uh, how do you look at India? Is it already like one of your top five markets? Uh, Give us a sense of how you're growing. So number one, India is our, uh, first of all, India's economy is the fastest growing economy, major economy. So that is a fact. The penetration of healthcare is growing faster. So 1.6% of GDP to 2.2%, right? So which means that it is becoming a larger portion of the growing GDP. So naturally, India is one of our fastest growing market. Uh, if I had to put a number, it is one of the top three fastest growing market, right? Uh, across the world, right? Uh, and so that is something that uh, we see continuing for a sizable period of time. Uh, and there are very good drivers for it, right? Size of the market, uh, size of, sorry, size of the population, uh, improving economic circumstances, penetrating, um, uh, health insurance penetration improving, etc. So I think all of those are, are, are good drivers. Uh, for us, India is a important market. And now I'm speaking more as a GE healthcare, not as a Proji um, entity. From, from a GE healthcare standpoint, it is a growing market which has its own unique needs. We have a local partner in the form of Wipro, uh, Wipro G, and we think that in order to look at this multi-decadal opportunity in India, we have to make sure that we meet the requirements of the Indian market, um, uh, sort of in the fashion that the India's market evolves, which means we will have to make investments in new products, in manufacturing, as well as in distribution and sales. And I think that's how we view it. Um, and there is no other market which is as important, uh, if you may, as 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 the Indian market uh, from from our perspective, and no other market which provides the diversity of customer segments, diversity of needs, diversity of um, uh, patients, uh, diversity of clinical capabilities as India. And so it also acts as a test bed for us in various ways to be able to test out our uh, products, our business models, etc., which can then uh, go into India-like markets elsewhere, whether it is Nigeria, whether it is Indonesia, etc., uh, which will have their own needs. But uh, nevertheless, we will have a test bed available here. And that's how we view India market. So great opportunity, but also a great place for us to be able to um, test out our hypothesis uh, as we look at Global South as a well. mm. Tell us a bit more about the products uh, and, and from the following perspective. I mean, I know that GE Health is a combination of hardware devices and more recently you all have been uh, projecting the idea of uh, intelligent devices. Uh, and, and I think at a recent conference, uh, a radiology conference, which was important. RSNA. RSNA, you released some 40-odd products and features and so on. Uh, and then there is, of course, software products, and there is this uh, data analytics platform that you call Edison Platform. Okay. Uh, can you give us a sense of how the future might bring us a kind of an increasingly integrated play of all of these things? Wonderful. So I think let's start with the basic hypothesis that we have. The basic hypothesis that we have is that over a period of time, all in all markets, not just in India, but in all markets, we clearly anticipate that the need will be not generalized care, but precision care. And what I mean by precision care is essentially that my ability to diagnose, treat, and manage every individual patient um, is going to be slightly different based upon a mix of the uh, patient's genetic, environmental, and other factors that drive the way both the disease evolves in that patient, but also the way that patient reacts to treatment. And so that's our basic hypothesis, that some amount of personalization of care is required. Right. Now, personalization of care with the 8 billion population is not easy without technology adoption. And clearly, when I mean technology adoption, I mean the amount of uh, software and analytics that needs to be involved and the amount of AI that needs to be involved because we will never have enough people to be able to create personalized care on an individual basis. That is not scalable. Right? And so uh, with that as the basic thesis, uh, what we have um, uh, seen is increasingly we need products. They are hardware-based because that is how we are collecting information, whether it is diagnostic information or therapy information or patient information. But the large portion of the products value comes from the software applications and the algorithms that uh, will reside either on the equipment or 
separated from the equipment on some kind of a platform and we call it the Edison platform that is what we have now as when we go to RSNA or when we go to other places what we see is there are many companies which are developing software algorithms uh, which can help in this personalization of care some of them are our partners some of them obviously are working independently so we also see that providers increasingly will want a uh, uh, essentially a platform which curates and ensures that all these algorithms are meeting certain standards are uh, developed using the best quality data are uh, validated etc and there is a regulatory framework which uh, regulators are coming up with for those but we believe that edison platform can act as a place which aggregates some of these algorithms some of it are some of it from third parties and makes them available for providers so that they can pick and choose from or in some cases even the system itself will be able to pick and choose the algorithms that get applied to the to the patients but with the singular aim of ensuring that we are able to give precision care to the patients right and edison platform is essentially our um, endeavor to make sure that providers, large hospitals, etc., are able to have this platform where they are able to uh, integrate different algorithms using data that is collected from hardware devices that we might have sold, that third parties might have sold, uh, and uh, it's a platform which allows us to be able to uh, allows the providers to be able to pick and choose the algorithms that they use in order to personalize the care that is given. We have made pretty significant investments on the AI side. And I think you mentioned this uh, at RSNA, uh, FDA approved, so US FDA approved, we are the largest ones with AI algorithms out in the marketplace, right? And every RSNA, we launch new products, uh, both software-based, AI-based or hardware products. And we did the same thing, uh, this RSNA as well. And that is the way we uh, see the future. Uh, that That is what will happen. So personalized care, number one. Number two, uh, providers will need somebody to be able to aggregate and provide a platform which allows them to be able to seamlessly use algorithms that have been divided, devised by us or others. And then companies like us continuously innovating and bringing out more and more AI-based algorithms uh, as, that helps uh, essentially personalize the care for the patient population. I think that's how, that's how we see it. Mm. Uh, briefly, how do enterprise customers, large hospital chains, how do they tap uh, the Edison platform? Does it work like a SaaS subscription? Or? So uh, from an Edison platform perspective, uh, sorry, um, the platform by itself is something that is that will be available for sale uh, for customers. Today, we don't sell it in India, but there are other places where we have uh, customers that, that can actually buy the Edison platform, both in the form of as a capital equipment or as a subscription, etc. And I think I would say that the business model will evolve as we go through various customers uh, to meet the needs of the customer. Some customers will want it as a capital purchase, some will want it as a subscription. And I think we will be, our endeavor will be to ensure that customers are able to get access to it in whatever form that uh, suits them and is um, uh, beneficial for us and that we are able to meet the commitment. So I don't see any restrictions in terms of uh, the business model by itself. Mm. Uh, you made a brief mention of AI earlier on. Uh, can you talk about uh, which are the sort of more fundamental tech areas in which you're investing heavily from the perspective of GE Healthcare? Mm. So I would say from an artificial intelligence standpoint, we always start with what is the three big problems that are there in the healthcare industry and our uh, algorithm development is directed towards that. And so I would say that the, the three big themes that we see is number one, um, we need consistency of um, uh, diagnosis and therapy that needs to happen as per, um, as per uh, uh, guidelines, if you may, right? Um, and that standardization of care is something which uh, which uh, is one area. Second one is we know that the throughput of patients is increasing exponentially and um, uh, providers are showing signs of fatigue given the amount of patients that they have to see. So throughput enhancement is something that is required. And the third one is oftentimes skill where it is needed is not available. So I think those are the three broad areas. And I would say our AI algorithm development or software development, which is based upon large quantities of data and application of machine learning or AI-based algorithm is 
in order to optimize one of these three. An example of that would be so for throughput. Uh, I think I mentioned about ARDL. It's a software on uh, that sits on MR, which cuts down the time it takes to do a high quality image by fifty percent. Right. So which means that a hospital can do or a diagnostic center can do twice the number of patients with the same 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 install base. Right. Second one that uh, we typically focus on uh, is, as I said, we have uh, care which may be delivered at one site, but the expertise may not be available at that site. And so we have AI algorithms which allow remote management of the patient. I think Mural is one example that we have. Uh, And so there are AI algorithms within that product which uh, look at various data parameters of an ICU patient to be able to identify who is worsening. Because after worsening, if you find and if you want to intervene, there is very little you can do. But if you are able to predict which is a patient which is likely to worsen or their care is going, uh, their um, health status is going to worsen, then you have an opportunity to be able to intervene. Um, And so I think those are two examples, uh, if you may. One is um, uh, essentially changing the workflow. Second one is taking care of the fact that uh, skills may not be present at the place where you want them to be, uh, to be able to change the trajectory of the patient. So I think that's that would be the examples that I would I would give. But mural and ARDL would be the two examples. Hmm. Uh, just harking back to the point you made earlier about uh, people seeking better healthcare, even if it means that they have to go to a private provider and maybe pay more uh, and we are still largely an out-of-pocket uh, payment kind of market. Uh, for GE Healthcare, uh, what are some of the innovation challenges that this kind of a scenario presents? Sure. I, I would just modify that a little bit. It's not that they are um, willing to pay more more than the value that they deliver. They are willing to pay fair price for the service that they, that they get. And the second one is, I think, a um, little bit of uh, increasing penetration of insurance has happened. And so as a result, some of them do have some support or some mechanism uh, to subsidize their care. I think from GE healthcare standpoint, you have a large volume of patients which is um, essentially cannot afford or will not be able to afford uh, care at the uh, price points which may be available. Right, And so... We have seen innovation in the form of providers coming in at that segment, okay, both private and public. So, for example, uh, what we have started noticing is that in government facilities, there is a lot of PPP, which means private providers who sit within the government facility and provide care for the patient population, uh, which is seeking care there. But they are able to deliver better quality or in some cases, better efficiency, right? Because they are able to do more patients, etc. cetera. Uh, so those kinds of innovations have happened in the providers. And we have been focused on making sure that we are able to enable those PPP type of providers, right? Now, when we have to enable, they have a uh, expectation of high throughput, high quality, uh, good service support, um, et cetera, so that they are able to meet the needs of such a broad range of population. And so... The innovation challenge or the innovation requirement that has come based upon that is for us to devise products which are hardy, which can work uh, with high throughput, which can work with, in certain cases, some infrastructural deficiencies which may be present, whether it is a continuous power or lower grade power, etc. And so our innovation challenge is how do I make sure that I'm able to build products which can benefit for that type of customer uh, so that I'm able to ensure that that portion of population is able to get access to good quality care. Um, And I think, again, I hark back to the one example. I think I use Aspire as an example. But it is a product which meets that requirement. It was designed here. It's manufactured here. And it is with the very specific intention of making sure that high throughput uh, uh, sort of population can go through with it. Uh, but at the same time, it will break down less. It will have a more sturdy design, which can handle the vagaries of the infrastructure that is available. Uh, and I use the 3D printing as just an example because we have to innovate the way the CT is put together um, so that it has less moving part because moving parts obviously are prone to more failure, that it is also has, uh, you know, tube capacity, which is a little bit better so that they are able to do many more scans before a tube needs to be, re- x-ray tube needs to be replaced, etc. So those are some of the uh, innovations that we have to do. Uh, And it may be as 
basic as how it is packaged so that it can be transported to a remote location, which is where this is going to be uh, present. So that's the challenge that we uh, face. And we always look forward to those type of challenges because there is a satisfaction in being able to bring out such a product which enables it. And I mean, uh, what we have seen is uh, two thirds of the PPP uh, installations across India um, uh, seem to have a GE healthcare product. And this is across the modalities. I've just used CT as an example, but whether it is an oncology based PPP, radiology based PPP, they seem to choose us. Uh, we have a pet CT product, which is manufactured here, which was designed here as well, uh, which has been uh, uh, something that has been adopted by uh, the same group of uh, customers. And so the satisfaction is in solving their problem the providers and the uh, the, the uh, customers who are providing that and that in return is providing access to care to a portion of population which in other sense would have uh, had difficulty getting it so i hope that answers the question hmm. okay so staying on this theme of uh, designed in india or made locally uh, products uh, and and i know that uh, you're pushing to uh, expand on that localization effort um, what sort of is the next logical phase of evolution? Um, you know, in the software world, people started out with back office support and now there are very sophisticated, uh, the so-called global capability centers expanding. Uh, in the world of GE Healthcare, uh, and you have a massive tech center right here where we are doing this conversation, what's the next logical uh, step in this journey of marrying global R&D and capabilities and knowledge with uh, experience, local experience. Mm. So I would say, let me use a little bit of a historical perspective. So I think uh, the three big uh, changes that happened over the last 60, 70 years, and they are not just medtech focused, but they are in general industry focused. Is I think if you remember 70s and 80s, uh, Japan took a pretty significant leap forward in terms of technology development and bringing out products which were not just appreciated in Japan, but were appreciated over the world. And they were based upon, I would say, one of the two themes, which is miniaturization and high quality. Right? Um, I think if you go back to maybe the first 10 years of 2000, I think China did something similar but it focused its attention more on being the lowest cost manufacturer. And I think that is essentially what uh, uh, they, they they're focused on. I think India has the perfect opportunity uh, to be able to uh, provide innovative products which have perfectly married software and hardware with, because of our software skills, our AI skills and our capabilities that we have. Uh, with the uh, optimal cost of manufacturing of hardware and having that as the future so that we are able to deliver precision care. That's the opportunity that I see and that's the opportunity that GE Healthcare sees. The next logical step for us is the only way that we can solve the problems of healthcare system, whether it is in India or globally. Okay, The India problem may be I need to expand access to a much larger population at a much lower cost and being able to deliver it places where patients exist. The problem in Western countries may be that uh, I have uh, not enough skilled resources that are able to deliver healthcare and some, some amount of automation is required. Uh, and there might be others where, you know, like in UK or some other places where there is long waiting times for access to care just purely because of lack of uh, adequate capacity. So the solution to all of these, to a certain extent, is being able to ensure that we have innovative hardware, which is hardy, which is capable, but it is married with software, which has the AI algorithms, which ensures that the mundane tasks get done. Um, uh, the quality is high and, and at the same time, the throughput can be expanded. And I see that there is no other place which is more perfect than India and then the Viproji facility that we are here, uh, which is able to do both of these, which is we have the software and the AI capability. We have the capability of delivering, designing products, and we have the capability to manufacture here. And so I think this is a perfect place where we will be able to marry and to be able to take us and propel us to, to that leadership position. But I think I wanted to give you that historical perspective to be able to say how this might fit. And this is not just for, 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 for India and for Viproji, but I think it is broadly uh, for the for the industry as a whole that that's the opportunity that I see. Mm. And, and in the more advanced economies, some of the market factors also look promising for you, right? Because now people are pushing for, I mean, and I have a very rudimentary basic understanding of this trend. And I know it's very complex because... Uh, 
financing is involved in complex financing models and i know you're an expert in the insurance aspects of this as well uh, i was going to say that people are pushing towards uh, uh, what they're calling outcomes and then the the whole sort of mayo clinic model of uh, having specialists on salaries rather than getting you know them payments for fees for service fee for or service. whatever right and so and, uh, and i think that that model and versions of it is uh, now beginning to proliferate uh, probably not yet in the market like india but i'm just yeah so i think a lot about this yeah so i would say that paying for outcomes or value based care is has been a concept which has been there for almost 20 years um and i would say that there have been um i mean as a payer as a insurance payer what you want is you want to make sure that you're not paying for just a whole bunch of service but you're paying for the best care that the patient can get um and that push has been there for quite a bit of time the two or three things which have prevented it from happening is one is uh, care happens in primary setting in secondary setting in tertiary setting in all different settings and including home so no single um uh, insurance company or anybody has a end to end view to the data of a patient and that prevents the ability to be able to do value based care or prevented in the past right um second one i think is there was a mixture of analog let's say equipment or analog intervention and digital intervention and so there were gaps in the data that is available to be able to track and monitor uh, patients on an ongoing basis and i think hence while that idea has been there its implementation has been hard but with increasing digitization throughout the entire uh, chain of care provision with more digital whether it is equipment whether it is software whether it is connectivity uh, between patient and the and the and the provider which happens digitally i see that the opportunity is the best now to be able to have that continuum of data on a patient to be able to monitor to be able to ensure that uh, providers are able to uh, feel that they have more control over the entire life cycle of the patient and as a result are will be more willing to be able to take um, participate in this value based care um, and so i think Uh, the future is bright towards that um and i anticipate that more and more of this will happen now in developed countries it is happening more from a standpoint of efficiency right if a payer is paying they want to make sure that they are getting efficient outcomes out of it for the for the patients i think for countries like india we have the opportunity to leapfrog uh and the reason why we have opportunity for leapfrog is because unless i do that i cannot change the population health of 1.4 billion population and so i think that's the opportunity i see for india uh, with the way the government is going behind creating the technology stack and the digital uh, integrated uh, platform i think that is the opportunity that india has and uh, if we don't do that in india i think the healthcare costs can spiral and skyrocket uh, if it is purely based upon fee for service in india and so i see us uh both from a need standpoint both from a efficiency standpoint and both uh, from and also from the standpoint of making sure that we are able to deliver care to such a large population that's the only pathway to go and i could say um i see good things happening in the future hmm. i was actually hesitating to use the word leapfrog because it's uh, often abused True. uh but um, but i'm also mindful of uh, the fact that uh, you've spent several years studying the insurance market and you've played a role in that and um so can you delve into this a little bit more when you say we have an opportunity to leapfrog uh can we actually go in the next 10 years from where we i mean there are sort of horror stories reported about surgeons you know having to make up quotas of the number of surgeries that they do and so on so not necessarily in the best interests of patient care so can we get to a point in a, in a decade from now where people can sort of trust the care that they're getting get good outcomes and like you said uh, pay for value yeah so i think the uh, any system can perfectly function as long as there are three elements which are there so first is clear clarity of regulations second one is end to end 
mapping and monitoring of what the patient have happens to the patient or in this case uh, to the customer or to the patient it doesn't matter and the third element is standardization of care so i think you need all three elements to happen because um, it is very difficult without standards of standardization of care to know whether the care being delivered to a particular patient is appropriate or inappropriate and whether it will deliver the right outcomes or not deliver the right outcomes <coughs> in the next 10 years what i see is the regulatory framework is definitely deepening and becoming specific and so i think that's a good progress i see a pretty substantial amount of investments happening whether on the private side or on the public side in ensuring that you have a continuum of uh, data availability for a patient for different reasons but at the end of the day it is creating a, a singular record and i see that happening as well both on the government side because the i think it's called abha framework which is i think going to come out uh, which is based upon the way covid vaccinations was managed to be able to create a continuum of uh, of of view on each, each individual patient so i think that is going to create the wherewithal that is required which is based upon mobile phone aadhar card etc so i think that that will get created i think the third element which is standardization of care that's the place where i see the maximum amount of um, um progress that needs to be made but that is also the place where we are seeing the most amount of innovation which is standardization of care is automatically going to happen the moment you start having ai algorithms which uh, get implemented and used or whether the edison platform gets gets used or not uh, so what that does is for ai algorithms to work they need to be able to have a clear pathway that if conditions x y z a b c are present then this is the next action that needs to be taken and so that drives a little bit of the standardization automatically the more and more adoption of of uh, ai algorithms can uh, happens and so i think that is the reason i am very hopeful that those three elements regulatory framework the continuum of data and the standardization of care being uh, happening because of infiltration or use of more and more um, artificial intelligence and software that i think that that will ensure that we will move towards value based care much more here in india as compared to elsewhere and why i say leapfrogging for india is because believe it or not we are much further along in terms of the data for example the vaccination record i mean billion people can go to their phone and get the vaccination record uh not many countries i used to see something similar in singapore but it's a much smaller country um uh, so that is something which is already there the regulatory framework we have the ability to be able to uh, create a regulatory framework based upon the future rather than based upon legacy considerations which have existed in the developed countries uh, as an example uh, the way insurance evolved let's say in united states drives the way the regulation gets evolved because there are lots of entrenched players who don't want to lose their power etc which is not a problem that we have we can actually create the regulation which helps the patient outcomes and so i think from that standpoint and the ai algorithm adoption is 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 something that is happening rapidly and will continue to happen so when i put all those three things together i see no reason why we cannot leapfrog and we have specific advantages which uh, other developed countries don't and from the point of view of building out the innovation ecosystem in the healthcare and a lot of people are hoping uh, and even anticipating that what we've been able to do in fintech with the public digital infrastructure on top of which a lot of innovations happened in india uh we may be able to do that in healthcare the thing a company like g healthcare can be some kind of an anchor around which a bunch of startups can innovate and and maybe you can help take their technologies to the market what is your approach to this yeah so i think the i would like to say in two separate fashion so first the basic premise that innovations will happen because of the um uh, sort of the the infrastructure getting built is true so i think innovation requires uh, three four items right one is large population so that you are able to try out uh, a little bit of an entrepreneurial mindset uh, uh third one is fairly clear regulations or regulatory framework especially in areas like healthcare and then essentially the fourth one is um, uh, the 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 support system that can exist both in the form of investor community as well as in the form of companies strategic investors like us who can provide know how because we have been in the market for quite some time i think all those four elements exist and g healthcare does have a pretty significant role to play that's how we think about it um i think 
from a standpoint of so opportunity exists from a standpoint of ge healthcare the way we have been focused on is we realized very earlier on that we need a low cost or a efficient i shouldn't use low cost but i should say efficient distribution network to be able to reach a very large uh, uh, pool of customers in a very efficient fashion and so uh, we actually set up um, and and invested into a company uh, called genworks which is our uh, distribution engine for exclusively for non metro areas right and what we ensured is that uh, that entity is able to not just distribute ge healthcare's product but also of products of other companies including startups right so it's an efficient engine for ensuring that the products reach the customer right uh, because that is often times one of the problems that uh, companies who are innovative come up with is they are very good at developing products but then they have to cross the regulatory barriers and then they have to ensure that they have adequate distribution to be able to do it especially in the regulated environment so we provided created that entity to be able to enable the re- the regulatory side of the picture the second uh, side is on product development side because we do have uh capability here in our technology center and long years of experience of developing products in a in a regulated environment uh we have had partnerships with academic institutions which is where typically these companies come from whether it is iisc whether it is iit madras etc so that we are able to enable the people who are coming up with bright ideas to be able to think about how that idea gets converted into a product right um and i think uh, we have some ongoing partnerships with uh, startups which uh, are are present in the in the world i think most of the partnership that we have so far uh, have been more to do with um, i think specific areas of products uh, which uh, we think are complementary to what we are selling and, and 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 are able to distribute so i think those are the two ways that i i think about it in terms of the support that we are able to give so a little bit of help on the product development side and then of course a distribution entity which is efficiently able to distribute somebody's products that are, that are there mm. is india still too nascent a market for you to be able to find promising technology companies to acquire i mean i know in the last one year you have already acquired two companies that we know of uh, and one gets the sense that ge healthcare is looking to become a more comprehensive provider of medtech in general beyond imaging and so on um so what's the scene in india the promising uh, acquisition targets maybe even on the software side yeah so i think india is a very deep uh, innovation market um, there have been quite a few players who have even uh, quite a few engineers who have even gone from the tech center here gone outside and set up companies right uh, there are quite a few companies which are there so to answer your question it is definitely not a nascent market it is a market which does have opportunities uh does have company sorry which are developing innovative products which are interesting right and so i think uh, that 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 is a reality uh from a ge healthcare standpoint i would say we have a strategy that uh, we a strategy and a playbook that we have and we are always scanning the market to find opportunities uh, where strategically uh, there is a company or a product which can be complementary to us which can accelerate our strategy and we are always on the lookout and india would be no different we wouldn't be restricted only to india or only to any other country but it would be part of the puzzle that we would look at at all times and i don't think uh, we would go away from it uh, but i think it has to make strategic sense it has to make uh, accelerate our uh, intentions of going forward um, and that's the way i see it okay i have a couple more questions and i'm mindful of the time slot for our photo shoot as well um okay. um I definitely wanted to ask uh, a couple of questions based on your own uh, corporate career. Okay. Uh, quite often kind of brings out interesting uh, points on leadership and how businesses are changing in the world. Um I mean in your in your previous roles uh, you've overseen marketing strategy for ASEAN, uh, Australia, New Zealand, South Korea. Uh, the reason I I mentioned that I mean for our audience is uh, because of the following reason is this a trend you're seeing where in you know in the past indians would go from here to the us or other western markets and then they would rise to senior positions or become ceos etc uh, but now it looks like there's a growing number of senior executives uh, like yourself and you mentioned jyoti earlier on was one of your bosses where you're based in india but you have increasingly global operations to oversee is this something that you see as a trend in different large multinational businesses yeah So um 
I can give a speculative perspective. Uh, it's not a uh, something which anybody designs as a strategy, right? Uh, in general, if you think about it, right, all executives at the end of the day would be selected based upon where a company sees opportunity for growth, and which markets are critical, and which markets are likely to be the markets of the future. And I think it is not lost on anybody that. Uh, India with a large scale population growing economy growing middle class is going to be that market and so the skill or the capability gained uh, in this market is going to be critical for the future just as it was in the past whether it was for china whether it is for japan or whether it was for united states uh, and so i think that's a fact right and so that creates a little bit of an opportunity for people who want to develop careers that Uh, want to have a global outlook or perspective that they are able to spend some amount of time or some amount of oversight or some amount of work that they do which are in the markets of the future so i think that's that's number one number two i think because of covid a uh, lot of work people have started realizing can be done with local presence but some amount of work can also be done with a presence outside of the market Right, uh, which means the remote work is something which is not considered as a uh, exception, but it is considered as accepted norm of regular work, and so that has created the opportunities that you want to hire for companies that you want to hire the best talent wherever it may be placed, because the ability to be able to function is not dependent upon which geography or where you are located, and so I think that has democratized the the talent availability a little bit as well. Uh, so i think those are the two factors which i see uh, is a reason why you are seeing this trend of maybe more people who have uh, presence in markets other than the traditional united states or 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 traditional uh, markets where most of the executives used to come from and you see a little bit more widespread uh, global teams that's that's my perspective but there is i don't think it is an intentional design i think it is just a natural evolution organically because of the covid pandemic and because of uh, the way the market development is happening and in your own case you're not the typical engineer to see <laughs> but uh, you're from a pharmacology to see your position yes. uh, which is an interesting uh, kind of uh, you know i wouldn't say outlier but definitely different from the yes. usual kind of executive that we would run into um, what was the reason behind the choice of pharmacology <laughs> reason behind choice of pharmacology was just purely after uh, so actually Uh, after my 12th standard when when you make the choice uh i really liked chemistry uh-huh. and i really liked life science i did not want to become a doctor uh because i don't think uh i could deal with the day to day patient interaction etc that is just my personality and so i wanted to go down that path that's the reason i went down that path now obviously when you are 16 and you are making this choices 18 making this choices you have no idea what you want to do as far as your career is concerned so the career evolves a little bit more organically as you go through what you find interesting and then you keep on pursuing but i was very clear that i wanted to be in the healthcare field and i'm glad that uh, after 20 years or so in the career i'm happy that i have continued to remain in the healthcare industry that is not something that i was looking to go out of that's just the way it is okay uh, unplanned All right. Oh, one last question, kind of standard question. I like to ask any time I meet someone senior in any industry. Um, today, the pace at which things are changing is very different from how it was 20 years ago. For young people who are just beginning their careers, whether in a tech-heavy industry or in any industry where tech will play an increasing role, how would you have them prepare? Ah, okay. So, um, pace of technology and pace of change. that is happening is pertaining to um, uh, sort of the technology side of the equation right but uh, <clears throat> the only way to overcome that is a to have solid foundations and b to keep on learning all the way through so don't think that as soon as you finish your graduation your learning is over your learning continues all the way through and you have to be open to it and you have to continuously invest in order to be able to do it so that's one side of the equation but the second side of the equation which is the basic value systems which means how you will behave how you will work how you will interact with people 
that doesn't change irrespective of whether the technology is changing and so having that solid foundation in you know integrity uh, transparency humility i think working on that continuously to make sure that you know whichever may be the technology platform that you're interfacing with colleagues customers or 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 friends that your basic personality doesn't change just because technology changes i think those are the two ways that i think people can prepare number 1 don't leave your value systems they have to remain rock solid number 2 continuous learning so that you are able to make sure that you keep pace with the changes in technology that's it for this conversation i hope you found it interesting you can find all our podcasts at forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast app I'm Hari Arkli. Thank you for listening.